0: I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. And welcome to minute 47 of season six of Movie Run Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capresque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Scott Myers, an associate professor of screenwriting at DePaul University. Welcome back to the show,
1: Scott. It's great to be here, uh, continuing this conversation about one of my favorite movies, It's a Wonderful Life.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you also, I mean, I can, I can mention the, the fact that you, when I, when I, Invited you. I asked you if there's any anything in particular, any scene in particular you wanted, and, and you were adamant that this is the scene that you wanted. And you know, I, I was I was very happy to, to to let you have it because you know when, when someone has a favorite scene in in the movie that I'm doing, why why not give them the opportunity to be able to to talk about it?
1: Well, thanks. I, it, <laughs> it's a, it's a it's an important scene. I use it all the time when I'm talking about subtext with my my students. The actual telephone conversation, but yeah, we'll get to that. I'm sure.
0: Exactly. So what, what? what's your background with, with the movie itself? Do oh, you like, remember when you first uh, saw it? Do you remember why absolutely. you like it so much? You
1: know. I remember, absolutely I remember it. Uh, my family was quite religious. We'd go to Christmas Eve, midnight you know service every, you know, it was at like 11 o'clock, candlelight service. And I came home one night, this is when I lived in Virginia Beach, and I'm always curious, like, Back in the day, this is ancient history when there were like three channels. there was not cable, <laughs> and I was always interested, like what programming would people have at midnight and Christmas Eve. And I flipped around, and there's this grainy film that you know just like literally just started. And I'm watching this thing, and by the end, I'm up until 2:30 in the morning watching this. And by the end of it, I'm like sobbing. And that was It's a Wonderful Life, and I've been just captured by it ever since. I was like, why did this movie have such an emotional impact on me and uh, obviously over the years on a lot of people. So yeah, I absolutely remember the first time I saw it. It was in my living room or my parents' house on what turned out to be Christmas day until about two 30 in the morning. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. That, that is a great story.
0: You know, and, and like you knew nothing about it beforehand. It just, you came across nothing. it randomly.
1: Nothing. I just wow. was flipping channels and I saw Oh, well, I'm a movie fan. So I saw, and Jimmy Stewart was my favorite actor. And so I saw that and I was like, oh, okay, wait, you know, we got to watch this. How how old were you at the time? I was in college. So I was probably like 20 or 21. Ah, okay. For some reason
0: I I had in my mind that you were a lot younger at that point. Like, you you know, when you saw it. So you only saw Uh, it for the first time.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Well, this was 19. I don't think people even knew about it that much. I I don't know when it started, you know, because the movie came out and did not do well when they came out theatrically. But this was probably 1972, maybe 73. And the print, as I say, it was just this really grainy, lousy print that was just on a local TV network, you know, mm-hmm. at like midnight. Um, I'm, I'm, I'd never heard of it at that point. And I was a movie fan. So uh, maybe the Renaissance didn't really start happening until then or later. I don't know. Wow. Okay.
0: All right, that, that's very, very interesting. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing, sharing that with us. So minute 47 begins with uh, Mrs. Hatch uh, asking the ultimate question and ends with Mary answering the phone in a very angry way. So yesterday we ended things with, uh, you know, George, George and Mary are sitting on the couch, uh, both of them in, in different ways, uncomfortable, you know, not necessarily sure what the other one wants there. You know, they're 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 not necessarily on the same wavelength. And then they're they're interrupted when Mrs. Hatch screams down from upstairs and, and wants to know who's who's with Mary, you know, who's she talking to. And she responds that it was George, and her mother ends yesterday's minute by saying, George Bailey. And then today we continue with what she was saying. She says, What's he want? And I I, got to say, I love, I've always loved this reaction from Mary. And, you know, she like screams back to her mother, I don't know. And then she like turns to George and says it in a quiet way. What do you want? (laughs) And I I think it's it's great. I think it's great because George really doesn't know what he wants.
1: (laughs) No. You know, this is, again, from a screenwriting standpoint, like we were talking about yesterday this is just wonderful craft because it's on the on the surface it's a legitimate question like what do you want why why are you here but there's a deeper meaning to it like there's a subtext to it i mean the mary's not intending it but from a story standpoint what do you want is like literally a key existential question for george bailey he knows he wants to get away but what does he really need and so this what do you want i think just uh, and it sets up for the telephone call too cuz he says "Well, we'll talk about it later but anyhow yeah it's just a, it's just a great way of framing this this is not just about this moment but just about the bigger picture of george bailey's life yeah i mean this this whole uh this whole week we're going to be talking about
0: the connection between what's going what's happening with george right now and what is going to be happening with him throughout the rest of his life? You know, like what is the existential question of George's life? You know, it all yes. fits in
1: together the same way. Yes, absolutely. And that question, what do you want? It's, it's but, but her performance in this scene is great. I mean, she, she just did a great job. And if you look just like what you're talking about, I don't know. And then she turns to him, what do you, what do you, what do you want? What do you want? Uh, but, <laughs> Do you want? Yeah, you know, but nobody and,
0: doesn't and want the, Well, again, I don't know if we we even know that. We don't know what he wants or what he doesn't know what he wants and what he doesn't want. Because I mean, as we mentioned yesterday, there's still a reason that he that he came to Mary's house. You know, even if in his mind he does not want Mary, he's not looking for a relationship. He's not looking for you know to to share his life with anybody. He still went to her house, so. And it wasn't to go, you know, see Mrs. Hatch. <laughs> and it wasn't to go see Marty who's not there, which I always find really funny that you know the, the Hatches have two kids, Mary and Marty. Um you know, I, I guess it makes it easier to you know, everyone has the same initials and you know, you just have to add one letter.
1: So well, I hadn't thought about that, but that's right. Yeah, just add the T to Marty. <laughs> I, I think that's this right. gets back to that thing about want and need. The want. You know, it's like, I don't want to hang out. I don't want to get married. I don't want to, but the need is underneath there. And that's why that romance scene where they were singing together after the graduation party, where he did connect with her and did feel, have feelings for her. That's still there, but it's just down underneath, you know, a lot of resentment about being stuck in Bedford Falls and it it emerges here and subsequently in the telephone call.
0: Right. Right. But again, I mean, as I mentioned yesterday, that was four years ago, you know what? Yeah. You know the she moved on with her life. She went, uh, I guess, to, to I think I think uh, I think George's mother two weeks ago said that Mary's home from college. So it means she went to go study something. She she got out of out of town. You know, we'll, we'll, we know that Sam Wainwright is also out of town because, you know, even at the the at the the graduation party four years earlier. You know, he was already talking about the fact that, uh, you know, he's in college also and everything like that. So, it, you know, we, we know that Mary has, uh, Mary's not, not been stuck in Bedford Falls, but even though she's seen the outside world, not necessarily the same type of things that George wants to see, but she still has seen, uh, She she's basically left the perimeter of Bedford Falls, which it seems that George hasn't. So she she knows what's out there. And she's not interested in what's out there. She's interested in what's in here,
1: right? You know, so I find yeah, she, that very interesting. A, also, they have a moment where he's like, "Why'd you come back?" And well, I just, you know, I missed home and and things. <laughs> and she That's looks right. at him. That's yeah. right.
0: You know, she she really has been pining for him all these years, and and he his you know his mother noticed, but he didn't notice. So, yeah. I don't know. But but also the, the when. When George responds, uh, "Me, not a thing. I just came in to get warm." He he has this look on his face as if he's been like caught in the headlights. Yeah, you know, and it's That's funny nice. that he says, "Just to, to get warm." We've already established this is the summer, so <laughs> is it is it must be a chilly uh, summer evening in Bedford Falls.
1: Uh, again, this is a situation where he's reacting. It's like the mother has right. this thing. His mother, you know, tells him to go see mary hatch she has the answers and off he goes you know remember she's she, she's that way and then he turns and goes the other way because he doesn't want to you know but but he's reacting to mary hatch's mother he's reacting to mary hatch and he's, he's so he's caught in the you mentioned he's sort of like a deer in headlights it's like what's yeah. going on that's right
0: you know and, and the whole time he's he's like fidgeting with his hat you know and then he like tosses it onto like a little uh uh, you know, a, a little table in front of him, or anything like that, and it's done so nonchalantly, and it's great because, you know, as as I mean, I've seen this movie so many times, but I never notice, unless you're looking at a movie in this much detail, you don't notice that a character is going to put something down, and then, you know, later on, forget that it's there, because the the audience also forgets that it's there. You know, so no, it's When you get to it, that's no, right. It's done very cleverly that he's just playing with his yeah. hat and then just tosses it. And is it?
1: Well, I, I was going to say from a screenwriting standpoint, that's absolutely critical. If he doesn't forget the hat and come back for the hat, you know, they, they may never have gotten together.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I, I understand the, the reasoning behind it. I just think it's great that, you know, as, as a movie goer, you won't necessarily notice these things. No, you know, because no, it's no, done no. so subtly, you know, it's not like you're going to say, Oh, you forgot your hat. It just, you know, there there are movies where you see that, where you see that someone forgets something, and you 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 feel like screaming at the screen. No, oh, you forgot this, or you didn't do that. Those are usually in thrillers, you know, or in horror movies where where you said, "Don't go in there," you know, that that type of thing. But yeah. you know, in in this case, it's just done very in a very subtle, uh, subtle, nonchalant fashion, and I I really like the way they did that. And then Mary makes one of the craziest comments that I've ever heard. In this movie, <laughs> and she screams to her mother he 's making violent love to me, mother <laughs> <laughs> and then her response is, "You tell him to go right back home, and don't you leave the house either so uh, you know it's looking at this movie from a uh, twenty twenty three perspective you know that, that that sounds very, very inappropriate. <laughs> You know, I I don't know how many people these days would say that to their parents if you know the, their parent was upstairs and they said what is what are you doing with your your boyfriend slash girlfriend and you would respond this way I don't know you know how uh, pleasant the reaction would be um, Yeah,
1: I th- yeah, that's a good point. I mean, right. nowadays that would be, probably mean something else.
0: That is right. Nowadays, thinking, like, nowadays I, you're I, calling nine one one.
1: Yes, <laughs> I was like. Mary Hatch's character, she's so she's got a uh, uh, she's smart, she's uh, witty, uh, you know. She's got the uh, uh, just a real intelligence about her, and um, we see that we've seen that from the very get go. And so this, the way she reacts here in this scene, <laughs> that comment is just in, in line with that. Like that's just a really funny, you know, uh, smart thing to say now maybe in 2023 language not necessarily so but just this kind of sarcastic tone uh she's she's more than just a you know a, a typical romance figure sure. you know she's got some depth and complexity to her it's great
0: yes but i mean i looked it up and back then the the phrase making love it was very different than what it is today you know the the, the it, it i guess it's only in context <laughs> but the the context back then was very different because making love basically meant uh, making out, so that that's a little different. You know, it's a so question of
1: violent love. Would be like
0: he's kissing me, something. passion exactly, passionate necking. That that would be the apparently the at the the, the point where it started become think, people started thinking of it differently was in uh, after 1938 because uh, in the novel Rebecca by uh, uh, Daphne de, de Morier that there's a a phrase i should make violent love to you behind a palm tree uh at that point the, the euphemism already did mean sex but i mean this is supposedly taking place in 1932 and even at that time on the sc- on, in you know on the screen things are going to be a little different than what they would be in in uh you know in literature The fact that in the novel Rebecca they said that, but they don't say that in the movie, already says something. Also, so yeah, I I just found it very interesting. It's it's just a very strange comment, unless you know the you know what it actually means. I mean, basically, it used to mean that to make you love me. Uh, It could be maybe someone was flirting, someone was proposing marriage, uh, you know, uh, someone was trying to. Uh, convince someone to go out with them, stuff like that.
1: But, I wonder if there's a little bit of a callback here. Remember that scene where, of course you do, where they're out, you know, after the graduation party, and they're just and That guy's saying, "Why'd you go ahead and kiss her?" That's her. Right. <clears throat> you know, and I, I actually love a that little phrase. Bit of a callback to that,
0: um, it could be, it could be, because I mean, basically, he says, uh, "You know what? What is he? Uh, uh, love He's is wasted, wasted on, on the young. youth." No, love is wasted on the youth or something like that isn't it or romance. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember the I exact youth of. is
1: wasted on the young or something something like that he's yeah. just pissed he's just pissed off that george is not he's talking too much that's right, you know
0: he should be following through <laughs> that's right
1: yeah. yeah, so yeah, I mean that again
0: they're they're not talking here about uh, she, she's not saying to her mother that that he's he's doing something to me that that you would not necessarily approve of. <laughs> You know, I think she's also trying to goad her mother at the same time by yeah. saying, you know, because her, her mother's been bugging her and her mother keeps bugging her, you know, when you listen to to what she says, you know, because at this point, uh, her, her mother says, and don't you leave the house either. Sam Wainwright promised to call you from New York tonight. So my question about that is Sam promised Mrs. Hatch that he would call <laughs> to talk to, to Mary, <laughs>
1: Because uh, Mary's not about concerned that. I just, about that. No, I, I, I figured that Sam talked to Mary and Mary mentioned it to the mom. And so that's, well, that's the way I looked at it. But uh, yeah, but, but Mary uh, doesn't a, care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that,
0: that's what it is. Um, yeah. hey, I mean, it could be, it could be understood either way. It, it definitely still could be understood that, you know, that, that her mother's reminding her that Sam is supposed to call tonight.
1: Yeah. It's a key piece of exposition. You know, yeah. from a screenwriting standpoint, mm-hmm. you've got to lay that in there in order to set up the fact that the call is going to happen. Correct. So, you yeah. right?
0: And then, and then, uh, at this point, George then says, "What's your mother mean? You know, I didn't come here to." So, first of all, what did what did her mother mean about what that that he should leave and tell him to go right back home? You know the 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 whole. I- it's great that this conversation it's it's basically three people that uh that are talking to one another but none of them are listening to what the others are saying yeah you know it's like three different conversations going on at the And same especially
1: time. george is completely flummoxed by what's going on again he's reacting he's like he's That's caught right. in this maelstrom of stuff and it's like what what my mother your mother you i don't i don't I don't even know what they you know, which eventually leads to him wanting to leave so but again he's he's just not
0: you know he knows that his mother wants him there, <laughs> so he showed up, and now her mother doesn't want him there, <laughs> you know, so it's just like what <laughs> the whole the whole thing is you know he's he's very confused at this point yeah. as to what what's going on, and then he goes i didn't I didn't come here too, and then she cuts him off, well, what did you come here for then and then he looks and goes, I don't know, you tell me.' You're supposed to be the one that has all the answers. You tell me. So you see, he's not even married yet and he's already smart enough to know that his wife is gonna, <laughs> you know, know all the answers. Oh, that's great.
1: Well that's a callback, right? Because that's what the bomb said. You're supposed she has the answers. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right.
0: And then well, why don't you go home? And he goes, That's where I'm going. And you know the you know, they they have this little spat between the two of them, basically. Mm-hmm. Which you know, the the, the conversation over the, over the last minute and a half has led to this point. I mean, we we saw that it was going here because, you know, the the they're both very he she's very passionate and he's very uh, dispassionate about this conversation. You know, he's still trying to figure out why he's there, and she knows why why she's there. Yeah. and she's hoping that he will want to be there for the same reasons or anything like that.
1: Yep. Yeah. They, they bring it a different emotional state of being. at the beginning of the scene, which we talked about yesterday. And uh, that's the, that's right. the from a screenwriting standpoint, that's great, because you've got this uh, conflict between them that you can then exploit. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And then he gets up and starts, uh, wants to leave. And then, you know, as he's storming out of the house, we hear the, the phone begin to ring. And, you know, he, he says, as he's walking out, he goes, I don't know why I came here in the first place. And she says, good night, good night. And then the you know the phone keeps ringing, and then Mrs. Hatch from upstairs goes, "Mary, Mary, the telephone, it's Sam." So again, it goes back to the. I mean, I, I see that in my house. You know, the phone will ring and the 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 landline will ring, and nobody wants to go answer it. You know, anyone if it's if it's your cell phone, everyone goes and grabs it, but if it's the landline, nobody wants to respond here. You know, you think that 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 Mrs. Hatch wouldn't have a problem answering the phone. Yeah. You know, to just then call down and say, Mary, you know, Sam's on the phone. It's it's not that difficult. (laughs) And then Mary says, I'll get it. And then as Mary continues uh, walking towards it and George leaves, she's you can see that she's upset also. And then she she turns off the music and takes the record and and smashes it, just, you know, breaks it.
1: Uh, Again, that's like one of those moments where you just feel like she's got emotional depth she's just she's not just a you know a romance figure you know she's got the she's mm-hmm. got the ability to get pissed off you know she's got some emotional range right. so it's it's a great uh, job in terms of uh, ex- exploring her character and and you know she's a much more complex figure than than you would anticipate perhaps in, in this type of romance relationship
0: and, and i love the way that after she breaks the the record you she like holds your head like a headache you know, as if she has, as if she's about to get a headache. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I have that written down. She's, she's, she feels like a migraine coming yeah. on and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. It's great. And
0: then Mrs. Hatch then screams down and says, "Whatever were you doing that you couldn't hear?" Well, didn't she just tell her that that George is making violent love to her? You know, it's, <laughs> why else can't she hear? I don't know. And then you know, Mrs. Hatch, the the phone rings again, and Mrs. Hatch once again says, "Mary, he's waiting." <laughs> you know. And I, I, her mother's pretty nosy at this point. Oh, yeah.
1: Her mother's dreams of Mary being, you know, Sam Wainwright being the son-in-law. He's a rich dude. That's right. Know, that's what she mm-hmm. wants. You know. Right. Right. And then she goes to the phone and answers it.
0: And you can see that she's answering it in a very angry way. And she goes, hello. <laughs> Even though she knows who it is. And as she's answering the phone, that's when the
1: minute ends. So, Scott, you have anything else you to say about this minute? No, it's just, it, there's a beginning, middle, and an end of this whole uh, scene. And this is the middle of it, you know, the beginning of the middle of it, where she's, they've had this argument, and he storms off. And, you know, it looks like, from a dramatic standpoint, it looks like, oh, my God, that's it. They're never going to get together again. But that's where the hat comes in, you know, because he forgot his hat. Correct. Uh, but, but we don't know the hat. We're only going to find that so, out tomorrow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well we know because we're you know we're we're, we're, we're able to tell the future <laughs> but george doesn't know this and neither does and neither does mary and especially and mary's mother especially doesn't know it you know i think that 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 would have caused even more of a problem <laughs> all right so every tuesday we have a segment called off the beaten track uplifting story edition where my guest will give some sort of uh story that's happened to them uh an anecdote, adventure, misadventure, something's happened to them over the course of their life that has been somewhat of an uplifting story for them. So, Scott, you have any any story for us? Uh,
1: I absolutely do. Uh, I tell my students every class, a first class session, I tell them that edict that uh, Joseph Campbell says about the hero's journey. Follow your bliss. Find something that energizes you, that enlivens you, that you have a talent for, you want to share with the world. Do that. as an avocation or vocation, but you do that, and that's the the path of of leading to an authentic life and so i left yale i got a graduate degree i was going to get a doctorate but i left to pursue music i played music for seven years i did stand-up comedy for two years and it all led to one night i had no idea it all led to one night in ventura california as i was breaking down my equipment after a gig where this guy had been is a student at the usc peter stark program and that very day his script that he had that he was going to use for his thesis to market and budget and all that stuff got optioned and so he looked at me and said well maybe you could write a screenplay and i said i can do that i'd never read one i'd never i never knew what a screenwriter was really but i knew i love movies and i could tell stories and that's how i broke into the business was that 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 singular moment in time it just so happened that the very night i played this club and this guy walked in and said we were friends and he said uh, I needed I needed a script maybe you could write one I said I can do that and I did and that's how I've led this whole journey of the rest of my life it was all because of that moment oh wow that is really cool <laughs> yeah
0: it is it's, it's a good thing you didn't have uh, mary hatch uh, next to you trying to discourage you from doing it <laughs> yeah <that's, laughs>
1: but it just shows it shows that uh, you Campbell says, when, the, "When you follow your bliss, the universe will create doors where there once were walls," and I believe that. Oh wow, that's really cool. How many years ago was that? This is 1986, and I've been screenwriting ever since.
0: What what, what was the, uh, the the movie that 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 you wrote that uh, screenplay for?
1: Write what you know, right? So I wrote a script called Stand Up. It was about a stand-up comedian who got partnered with a uh, uh, basically. Uh, uh, Jonathan Winters, essentially that kind of figure, who was very funny but also having a psychological—he um, was in a psychologically uh, disjunctive state. And they go on tour together, and uh, it was not a very good script, but um, uh, it did lead me to writing Canine, which was the third script I wrote, and that sold to Universal and got produced, uh, and had two sequels and so forth. So I've been, yeah, in the business ever since. Oh wow, that's really cool.
0: wait—you wrote the movie Canine. Yeah, with uh, Jim Belushi. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. See on IMDb, it doesn't show that. It shows a uh, was it like a TV show or a TV movie uh, named K Nine. No, it's uh, so they have, that they have the wrong K Nine.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, they did have a pilot uh, for ABC that never got picked up to go to to series. I think
0: that's the maybe that's the one they're referring yeah. to.
1: Here. Yeah. But no, the the, but, the movies. Mean, that's
0: interesting. It means it means. It means that they don't have the you know your your credit on canine then. I don't know. I don't Oh wait it does. Ah your Scott Myers is listed numerous times here. Yeah. It's it says the writer is uh, Scott Myers and Steven Seagal.
1: Steven Siegel.
0: Yeah. Or Steven Seagal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, Steven Seagal. That would have been a hoot. Working <laughs> with that guy. No, <laughs> <and> Steven Seagal.
0: <laughs> oh, that's really weird. It does okay, it does it does uh, jump jump back there. Okay. So yeah, you know, in IMDb it is it is right now. I see. It. Oh, that's really cool. Wait, so were you on the set? I know this isn't about this. It's it's a wonderful night. but were you on the set when the movie was being made?
1: Yes, for a couple of weeks down in San Diego. Yeah, um, I was there for some of the some of the key scenes, like the scene where uh, uh, in the bar where. Uh, the, uh, the dog attacks a guy and grabs him by his crotch in order to get uh, some information. Jerry Lee, the dog. Mm-hmm. I was there for when uh, Belushi's character drives a rental car into a, a crack house <laughs> smashes through in order to... Uh, yeah, so it was a lot of fun. You know, the movie did well. It was number one at the box office for a week. And as I say, it spawned two sequels. And um, And then I've written over 30 other projects for every major studio and almost every, you know, broadcast network. So yeah, I continue to write, but I also teach. So that's my main thing nowadays. Oh, wow. That is really cool.
0: That is really very, very cool. Did, did, did like, you have to do a lot of rewrites on, on the spot or they don't, or that's just, uh, you know, that doesn't really happen anymore.
1: Oh, no, they're rewriting all the time. I mean, there were other people that came on and, and wrote, um, which is very typical, you know, of uh, Hollywood. Uh, it was right during the strike, too, and so it was a little the eighty eight strike when they were making it mm-hmm. and so it was a little odd because uh you weren't supposed to be doing any writing on set, and at that point uh, we weren't even involved in the writing um, so there may have been some people who were there uh illegally for scabbing or whatnot, but uh, I never saw them uh, but yeah, you know we rewrote the script a couple of times and then they brought in some other people, but we ended up with sole credit, so oh wow. Okay, that's very cool.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing. Sure. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So, do so you want to tell people once again uh, where they can find uh, Scott Myers besides uh, on IMDb under K9? So,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, well, my blog, Go Into the Story, is the official screenwriting blog of the Blacklist. It's been around for 15 years, We've got thousands of articles. So, they can go check that out. That's on Medium. And then um, I do teach it to DePaul University. So, there's that. But then I have a book out that I wrote uh, came out about a year ago. It's done quite well. It's called The Protagonist's Journey. It's kind of an homage to the hero's journey. The Protagonist's Journey and Introduction to Character-Driven Screenwriting and Storytelling. And it's been on Amazon, uh, number one bestseller and five-star rated book in film and TV. So uh, I encourage people, if they're interested in character-driven storytelling, as opposed to just the formulaic how-to that's so many of the books seem to do. Um, they could check that out.
0: All right. Very cool. If you're finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, com. So, until tomorrow, hot dog. Hot dog. I love you truly, truly dear. Life with its sorrow. Life with its tears